Why did Resurrection Sunday happen? Why did Easter happen? That's the topic today on episode 52 of the Bryce Harper Podcast, A Good Start in Visions and End Result. This is Bryce Harper. Thank you for tuning in. Many of you this past weekend celebrated Easter in some kind of fashion. There's many different ways you can go about such a topic like Resurrection Sunday or Easter weekend. We could talk about what happened, when it happened, where it happened, or how it happened, but I believe we are pretty informed about those matters. But I think the real question is why did Easter happen? Why did Resurrection Sunday happen? Um, And really our thoughts should be around that idea of why it happened. John 3.16, we know John 3.16 so well, but John 3.17 says, God sent his son into the world not to judge the world, but to save the world. And in this episode, and just like I did this past weekend at Family Worship Center for our services, I just talked about the four reasons why I believe Easter happened. So number one is because God is loving. That's just who he is. It's not something he does, but that's that's who he is. It's because God is loving. Why did Easter happen? Number one is because God is loving. And in John chapter 20, we see uh, this explained in the resurrection story and we see john and peter running to the tomb john lets us know he is this is the disciple that is loved by god and that the and that he outran peter what's interesting in that passage is that we're also informed that even though john got to the tomb first he didn't go in and even though simon peter came afterwards he went in first And then after Peter went in, John, the disciple whom Jesus loved, even though he got there first, he went in after. And he saw, and the Bible says he saw and believed because the Bible tells us there that they didn't understand the scriptures and what Jesus was saying when that he must rise from the dead. And so we have to see and We have to believe for ourselves. It's not enough for us to get to the tomb first, like the disciple John, but we have to go in and see for ourselves and believe for ourselves and not take someone else's account for it. God doesn't just convict us of our sin, but he convinces us of our truth and the truth of who he is. The world and religion judges, but God saves. Culture convicts of us. us of our sin, excuse me, but God convicts us of our, convinces us of our truth. Culture, uh, religion tells you how wrong you are, but God tells you how right you can become. The world holds steady to your past, but God holds steady to your potential future. And Jesus came to do away with sin and not us. So if we feel that we are being done away with, it's because we have decided to attach ourselves to something that is destined for destruction. And God was out to destroy all of those things are trying to destroy our lives. I didn't get that. Uh, my Apple Watch. They're going off. Um, exclusivity, even within Christianity, is not some kind of act of bigotry, no matter how much you may have seen that in culture, because it's not limited to Christianity. Hinduism has two non-negotiables, karma and reincarnation. Islam has two as well. Muhammad is the last and final prophet, and the Quran is the perfect revelation, as they would say in that that belief. And Christianity obviously believes that Jesus is the Son of God, and the Bible is the Word of God. 
G.K. Chesterton stated that the Christian ideal has not been tried and found wanting. It has been difficult and left untried. In all this, Jesus never retracted any of his absolute statements. But at the end of Confucius, Buddha, and Muhammad's life, they most certainly did. It's recorded at the end of at the end of Confucius' life, even though he made it very clear that you and I are the way. At the end of his life, he stated that I am not the way. Even though Buddha said, stop seeking for truth, it only causes more suffering. But at the end of his life stated, seek for truth. Muhammad said, I know the purpose of life. But at the end of his life stated, I, I do not know the purposes of life. And Jesus told them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one can come to the Father except through me. And we don't have any account that he retracted that statement. And God proves his truth by not only answering just life's tough, difficult questions and the opulent halls of intellectualism, but in the experiential great glory of everyday life. God doesn't just give us a placebo via religious institutions to ease our conscience about the origins, meaning, and morality and destiny of life. He shows us that he is the embodiment of every single answer to every question for all of humanity. Second thing is... You know, God is loving. That's why Easter happened. Secondly, uh, Easter happened because humanity is longing. We are longing for relationship with God. It was a couple of years ago when Sarah and my two daughters flew down to Florida. I had to stay here and work, but they flew down to Florida to go visit some visit her family. And I remember having three or four days to myself and honestly looking forward to it just having man some quiet time around the house and just like reorganizing the garage and detailing the vehicles and just cleaning the house and getting everything in place and if man if you're a parent you have kids you know you just always want things to be clean especially if you're like Sarah and I and everything has its place and needs to be in its place and but I remember just after a day and maybe day and a half of just having everything right where I wanted wanted it and having everything clean and in order that I was just ready for my family to be back home. And if you're a parent, you know this well, you're up late just looking at pictures and videos of your kids after it's been about 24 hours of not being with uh, your, your spouse and your children. And it made me think about God and creation. He created everything and everything was just perfect everything was good and and he knew making creating humans creating humanity he knew the potential mess that was going to begin but he created us anyway because he wanted relationship he wanted covenant so I begin to realize, you know what, I would rather, and I believe God says this too, and, and you know, and kind of expresses this through the narrative of the Bible that, you know, and kind of how I felt in those few days, you know, I would rather deal with the mess in my home and get covenant than go through less and get nothingness. And so, so back to Resurrection Sunday and Jesus, you know, you know Jesus didn't, you know, resurrect from the dead just to leave us some kind of historical fact or just some kind of story from 2,000 years ago just so we could talk about it, get dressed up one weekend and go to church all together. You know, he died not just to save us from hell, but to save us for heaven. 
He saved us for a relationship. He wasn't saving us just from something bad. He was saving us for something greater. So he didn't just die and, and, and was risen from the grave just to keep us from hell, but to get us into heaven. He died not just to get you from hell's eternal flames, but to get us into God's glorious fame. And, you know, we can look at the story of the Bible and and the resurrection of the Son of God, Jesus, from a skeptic or cynical view and say, yeah, but, you know, all these authors, man, they were all fans. These are all people who were not critical, not skeptical, and not really cross-examining the faith. Um. You know, where's some cross-examination? Where are the accounts of those who didn't believe? You know, where where are all these kind of people? Where is their staying, you know, saying all of this? And so you think about that, and that's kind of a good point. And then you realize, you know, here enters Saul, who has an encounter with God, and his name is changed to Paul. And while he was Saul, he was killing and persecuting Christians and those perse- uh, professing the faith of Jesus. Yet he has an encounter with Jesus and with God and, and, and is transformed and goes on to write two-thirds of the New Testament. And so as far as cross-examination, as far as somebody who's skeptical or cynical, um, here's Apostle Paul now. And, and, in a, and if you're an attorney and you're looking for someone to cross-examine, and, and um, I mean, you just... And to prove your case to be right, I mean, you you allow Paul to sit in the stand and you let him sing his song, play his fiddle, and do his dance. You let him talk about what has happened in his life, how he went from where he was persecuting the faith to now teaching and upholding the faith of, of Christianity. And, and Paul writes two-thirds of the New Testament and, and these profound letters that we find there. One of my favorite things in Ecclesiastes in the Old Testament, one of my favorite verses, is it's Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 11. It says this, Yet God has made everything beautiful for its own time. He has planted eternity in the human heart. But even so, people cannot see the whole scope of God's work from beginning to end. So the Bible tells us there that there is this seed of eternity planted in the human heart. So it is by faith that we put our trust in the life, death, resurrection of Jesus Christ. And we begin to understand the whole scope of God's work from beginning to end. Even though we cannot see it, we place our faith in God's work from beginning to end in all of that. And, and because there is this desire, humanity is a longing for there to be some kind of transcendent, intrinsic worth and meaning to our lives that can only be found in God it will not be found in anything else there's a lot of things that can make you happy and fulfill you for a short amount of time but only really Jesus will give you deep understanding meaning and reasoning as it pertains to the origins of life the meaning of life the morality of life and the ultimate destiny of life as a human I love John chapter 18 when we see in verse 33, we see Pilate and Jesus going back and forth. And and Pilate says, are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus replies, is this your own question or did others tell you about me? 
And I sense even in that, when I read that, I don't think Jesus was just talking to Pilate. I think he was talking to us. Like, is this, is this your question or do, or did others tell you about me? I really believe there's a lot of people within society today who don't have their own questions. They have what others have told them about Jesus or Christianity or Christ or God. And so they go back and forth and, and then um, and Jesus says something here and he says, all who love the truth recognize that what I say is true. And then Pilate asks, what is truth? And then the Bible says he went out again to the people. And so Pilate asks a, his own question, but then doesn't give adequate space and room and time for Jesus to answer. And it's not enough for you and I as it pertains to Christianity, to the resurrection of why Easter it's not enough just to ask the question, but we do have to sit still and give God, Jesus, the adequate space and time to completely, comprehensively answer the questions that are deep down. I believe these eternal questions in our hearts that have been there in our human hearts since we were created. So he and Pilate asked, what is truth? And he walks away. What is truth? I wrote these things down. I believe truth um, can kind of be broken down like this. The reason evil exists and will continue to exist is because segments of humanity have structured their lives from the reference point of a lie. The reason God or Jesus still has influence in the world today and will continue so is because sections of humanity have structured their lives from the reference point of the truth of God. John Wesley asked his mother, what is sin? And his mother gave one of the most concisely profound responses I've ever heard. Upon his question of what is sin, she keenly replied, Whatever weakens your reasoning, impairs the tenderness of your conscience, obscures your sense of God, takes your relishes for spiritual things, if anything that increases the authority and power of the flesh over the spirit, that to you becomes sin, however good it is in itself. So I wrote a reciprocal response. Um, what is God's will? Whatever strengthens your reasoning, clarifies the tenderness of your conscience, focuses your sense of God, increases your relishes for spiritual things, if anything that decreases the authority and power of the flesh over the spirit, that to you is God's will, however abstract it is in itself. We may know about Christianity, but do we know about Christ? We don't just believe in like transcendent abstract principles, but we, we believe in the person of Jesus by way of the relationship to him through the word of God and through the Holy Spirit. Paul wrote things like this. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. So we will never be made right until we place our faith in Christ. There will always be unfulfillment and things just not right about our lives until we put our faith in Jesus Christ. So why did Easter happen, right? Number one, because God is loving. Number two, because humanity is longing. And then number three, because the earth is travailing or creation is travailing. I don't have to go through the headlines. I don't have to go through all the different things that you see every single day on the news or on social media. The earth is travailing. There's wars, there's earthquakes, there's terrible things going on. It's because there, the Bible tells us that the that 
the earth is travailing. Creation is longing for the manifestations of the sons of God so that we would walk in the full identity of knowing that, man, God is loving. There's a longing in us for that love. And we have to just walk that out. And like John, the disciple, it's not enough for us to be at the tomb. Now we need to step in and see for ourselves and believe and truly believe for ourselves. And the last thing, number four, is because eternity is waiting. There's a lot of decisions that we have to make in our lives. One decision that's really important, obviously, if you're married or you're not married yet, one of the, one of the, one of the big decisions that you'll make in, the, in your life is, is choosing your spouse and making that covenant and getting married. And you get that right, you're going to get a lot of things right in, in your life. Sarah and I will experience, will celebrate 14 years of, of marriage this July 11th of 2023. And when I got on a knee and proposed to her and she said yes, it was all, you know, if you think about there being almost 8 billion people in the world, and if you just split that up, right, between male and female, that was like the equivalent of her saying no 3.8, you know, almost 4 billion times. That single yes was also her saying no to everything, everybody else, every other man. She was saying yes. That one yes is the equivalent of almost 4 billion no's. So we can spend our life trying to say no for almost 4 billion times. No to addiction, no to depression, no to sickness, no to uh, suicidal thoughts, no to anxiety, no to, um, you know, toxic relationships. I mean, like we, can, we can keep with all the no's or we can just get important yeses right. And the most important yes we'll ever get right is saying yes to Jesus as Lord of our life. And until we get that, we're going to be spending our lives saying no to a lot of things that are just inferior, that are just sub um, substitution, substitutions to the ultimate yes. And so, man, I want to encourage you, wherever you're at in your spiritual walk, I am telling you, as personal experience, I, I, I do not look back on my life and, 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 I, and think, you know what, I, I shouldn't have made Jesus Lord of my life. I shouldn't have lived by his principles and by his word. I am anything good and great in my life is because of God and is because of Jesus being Lord of my life. It wasn't just works. It wasn't just me doing good things. It wasn't just me making good decisions, but it was about making that decision right. And all the things that happened after that doesn't mean everything was perfect. Everything has been just easy. There's still suffering within the human existence, even as Jesus, Lord of your life. But it has allowed me to avoid a lot a lot of no's, and I'm thankful for that. So why did Easter happen? Because eternity is waiting. You know, there's a story about doubting Thomas, and Jesus is resurrected, and he's showing himself, and he's revealing himself, and there's these encounters he's having with people, and they're, 
the disciples are telling Thomas, and he's like, look, man, I'm, I, I, I am not going to believe unless, until I put my hands into his scar, until I place my hand in his side, until I feel him, till I see him, till I hear him. I'm just not going to believe. And there's a gen- I believe there's a generation within society now that is saying the same thing. It's not enough for me to just hear you preach to me or hear you talk to me or hear you um, speak down to me. I have to have my own experience. I have to see him for myself. I have to sense him and feel him and have this encounter with him for myself. And that was the same thing for us. We didn't just believe because somebody else. We believed because we had an encounter with the Lord. And so why did Easter happen? It happened because God is loving, because humanity is longing, because the earth is travailing, and because eternity is waiting. Thank you for tuning in. God bless you. hope you're doing good and you have a wonderful week. And don't forget, a good start envisions the end result.